Hi, I'm Spencer Lodge. Welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with Najahi Events, the biggest event management company here in the UAE. They recently had Tony Robbins here. You probably caught on to what was going on with the hype around that. Alicia Keys, Nick Vujicic, Prince EA, a mega event. And this is what uh, uh, Najahi Events are real specialists at coming up. Okay, believe it or not, we potentially have got Grant Cardone coming to Dubai, Gary Vaynerchuk, and maybe even Michelle Obama. So look out, follow Najahi events, and you'll see what is coming up on the schedule soon. Okay, on to the podcast. In today's episode of the podcast, I interviewed the awesome Shahad Balan. Well, the youngest newsreader here in the Middle East, okay? She's got her own TV show also on NBC, okay? She's a real talent in the world of media, a real celebrity over here. But also she's had a struggle that she's gone through because she was involved in a massive car accident a few years ago, okay? Nearly took her life and she had to recover from that. And that struggle that she went through was what I was wanting to find out all about. She had shares her story. She's open and honest and frank with every part of it. But hey, I'm not going to tell you everything here. Cue the music. Let's get stuck into it. Please enjoy. So Shahad Balan, did I say it right? Yes, actually. One of the few people who said it right. Tell me more about what this name means. It sounds quite exotic. So Shahad in Arabic, it's honey, but it's the raw honey, the... the the when, honeycomb? When it's still in the wax. Uh-huh. Yes. Like when it's not, it hasn't been extracted yet. So that's Shahad. 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 Is it a, is it a, is it a popular name? Um, yeah, it's, um, from what I know, it's an Iraqi name. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It okay. hasn't been popular. I mean, I remember when I was, uh, when I was in school, I was the only girl. Uh, called Shahad. You were? And then, yeah, even in university, I haven't, I've met maybe one or two girls called Shahad. Now it's becoming more popular. So you're a bit of a celebrity, really, aren't you? You're a TV star. Um, do, you, I, do, do you think of yourself as one of those? No, not at all. Not at all. I don't think of myself as a celebrity. Um, but yeah, I am a, a TV personality. Yeah. Humble. You're so, you really humble, right? are yeah. either humble or nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the TV show. So um, I'm doing a TV show called Hamsa on NBC One. Uh, we have filmed, um, it's, it's new, so it's been on air for a year now. Um, now we're starting season two. It's a women-related uh, topics, uh, family-related topics, um, lifestyle show where we um, or I co-host with uh, four other uh, ladies who are um, who are basically uh, each one of them has a is a like a special she has a specialty or a career a certain career so one is in um, so she's a fashion designer another is a cook uh, one is um, a doctor and the other is a fitness trainer so I, I combine all of these um, different fields uh, of life uh, into one show called Hamsa. So we talk about everything. Everything anyone would basically be interested in. And when, when it comes to being a host of a TV show, do, do you, are you part of the process of creating it or do they come to you with the, the idea, the concept first of all and say, right, we want yeah. you to host this. Do you get involved in any part of that? I do get involved, maybe not as much as I used to, but yes, I do because um, now there's a, there's a very, very big team. So the team that are um, in charge of the production, the editorial 
are all in Lebanon. So uh, we work over WhatsApp, the phone, the whole time. Um, yes, they most of the time they uh, tell me we have to talk about this and this and this because we do focus groups and we do research. We don't just you know, just choose a topic and let's talk about it. It has to be relevant to our audience. Um, but at the same time, um, I do I do my part of research. And then let's talk about this. I want this guest. Let's do say like talk about this story, that story, and um, we combine it. And if it's something that is relevant to our audience, um, then yes, uh, script writing. I I it bothers me when someone writes my script. <laughs> so, it bothers me. I mean, I mean, think about it. Imagine I'm 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 telling you what to say. Yeah. yeah. It's annoying, right? Especially yeah. if I write it or if I combine things together, you'd feel like, no, this is not how I would say it. I would say it differently. So this is, yeah, this is something that I would love to do always, all the time. Um, I do, never, you, do you script everything or do you kind of bullet point stuff? I or? never script. <clears throat> okay. I bullet points. Okay. Yeah. Same as me. Yeah, I read the script. Of course, there, there, there's a script that is written. Um, but then I scribble and scratch and bullet point, bullet point. And then I just... <laughs> Uh, improvise most of it. I mean, I mean, I've reached to this this uh, point because I've had a lot of experience on television. Um, yes, yeah, so you, you you mean you were one of the youngest news presenters? Yes, ever in the Middle East. Um, at my time, yes. When I joined NBC, I was uh, twenty three, turning twenty four, and I was given. So you've been the, on television for one year now, then, yeah. Oh, yeah, mm, oh. <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> just want some brownie points. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just just take us to, through that journey then, because mm. most people, well, a lot of people would like to be on television. Mm. A lot of people think that it's kind of glamorous and exciting and, and, and interesting. It is, but it's a lot of hard work. I can imagine. Yeah. But I would think that most people wouldn't even know where to start to think about how they would get onto television. So just give us that journey. So how did you get there in the first place? I never wanted to go on TV. Oh, and really? it was never something that even crossed my mind for a, like a second, not once. Um, uh, it was basically when I, uh, when I graduated, I, I got this opportunity to work at DMI, Dubai Media Incorporated. And um, which included all the Dubai channels like Sama Dubai, Dubai TV, Dubai One. So I was assigned as a researcher in Dubai One. So that was my job. I researched. I carried tapes and I ran like a runner would do. Um, you know, my, my job was very basic. Um, at, that at that time, I thought, I hate this job. But now I realize that it shaped up a lot of things in my career. I don't do anything now without researching. And I realized how important it is to, to research so much. Um, so I was a researcher. And a um, and, uh, couple of months after, I, you know, after joining uh, Dubai One, I was approached by this uh, executive producer. Um, amazing, amazing guy. We're still friends till today. Um, he, he basically um, called me to his office. And he was in Dubai TV, the Arabic channel, which I had nothing to do with. I was like, why is this guy, what does he want with me? So I walk into his office and, and he asks, uh, would you like to be on television? I'm like, no. He's like, would you like to try? I'm like, no, you can't try that. You want me to look stupid. I'm like, listen, I, I don't think I'm pretty. That's what I told him. I think I'm fat. Um, look at the way I thought before, how stupid I was. But that was, it was true. It was reality, I mean. So I told him, I don't think I'm pretty. I think I'm fat. I never have, ex I don't have ex any experience on camera and I don't think I've got it. 
So he's like, okay, fair enough. Would you like to pilot? I'm like, what's a pilot? He said, just pilot. We'll film a pilot. And um, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You've got nothing to lose. And if it works out, we'll see where it goes. So I'm like, okay, fine. I remember so well that we, we filmed the pilot on a Monday or a Tuesday. Uh, of course, I was given the script and I abided by the script like word by word because I had no, no idea what to do. And um, it was a Monday or a Tuesday we filmed the pilot. Uh, on, a Wednesday, uh, on, a, on a Thursday, we received approval from the management. On, a sun, on, the, on the following Sunday or Monday, we, we, film, we were filming the first episode of the first season of my own show on Dubai television. And I was still a researcher. So I was a researcher in Dubai One for five days a week. And then on the weekend, I would go with Dubai TV and film my own show. So I was working seven days a week for about a year and a half. And, and I what, kind of, what kind of a show was it? It was called Al Mawad. It was a touristic uh, tourism show okay. around the UAE. And so do you, do you remember, can you take me back to that moment when you first in front of the camera? How did you feel? Um, to be honest with you, I didn't feel awkward. Oh, okay. I didn't feel awkward. I was nervous. Of course. But I, yeah, but I didn't, feel, I didn't feel awkward. Like, what am I doing? And how long did it take you to realize that you liked it? Um, that I liked it? That you liked doing it, yeah. Was it like a five minutes you were like, I like this? Or was it... Every, no, every time, uh, every time I'm happy with the content, I remind myself of how much I like it. Okay. Yeah. So that's what happened. Yeah. So f from that beginning, yeah. you then went on to be uh, a recognized face on television constantly. Yes. And then I joined NBC. So... Did you join NBC because you were looking for more creative opportunities on television or did it um, come to you? It's funny. I, I'll tell you this funny story. Maybe not a lot of people know, but um, I, was, I was living in the dormitory at the, at the university campus and um, the view from my room was NBC. It was in Media City. So I used to, I used to sit on the window of my, of my own room and I used to say, one day I'm going to work here. One day I'm going to work here. Because NBC, you know, it's huge. And, and when you hear NBC, it's a big name. And at that time, I was like starstruck. So I wanted to, either I'm going to continue my studies and do filmmaking in USC in California, or if my dad doesn't let me, which he didn't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here and I want to work in NBC. I want to get the experience, save up the money, and then leave. And um, when NBC approached me after two years of working with Dubai TV, I promise you, I promise you, Spencer, I didn't even look at my job title. I didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't see the salary. I don't want to know how much they were willing to pay. I'm like, Where do I sign? Where do I sign? <laughs> I was that happy and I was that like fulfilled. And then I realized, oh, I should have asked for more. <laughs> do you look at it as one of your great accomplishments? Uh, joining NBC? Yeah. Uh, it's a turning point in my life. It's not an accomplishment. It's a turning point. It shaped up my whole career. Um, um, I mean, I'm very grateful and thankful for, for this opportunity. Uh, but I don't consider it an accomplishment. Um, I'm happy that NBC saw the, the skills that I've got and they nurtured it. And um, I'm grateful for that. Always will be. What was family life like for you when you were a kid? Difficult. Um, so we're a household of, four, of um, my, my mom, my dad, uh, and we're four girls. So I have three sisters. We don't have any brother. Um, 
it was my parents are amazing people i mean they're very they're very simple they're as simple as you can imagine someone to be they're, they're very very simple they don't want anything in life except you know be happy and and be content and um that's not a bad thing no that's not a bad thing but it was um it was hard because uh, at that at the time that we, when we were growing up um just like every single culture or arab culture uh, my 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 grandparents from my father's side uh put a lot of pressure on my father and my mother that you have to have a son and um but he never did and i always um like i grew up listening and hearing bits and pieces from you know uncles or grandparents or grandmother or even him sometimes i see i used to see it in his eyes when i was a kid um so i always felt that i wanted to be the son that he he he, he never where are had. you in the chain of the i'm four. the second okay. eldest uh so both me and my sisters were we were very close to each other um like he was sad all the time um not all the time but he was very stressed and uh, and he felt like who's he working for you know he wants a son at that time like now things are totally different my dad really developed and and grew out of this phase but that was when we were young um and my mom always like i don't know maybe our society made her always feel guilty that she couldn't have a son or ah uh, yeah of course and and but she didn't care she she knew that that we were you know everything she's got and she wanted to give us the best um she pushed a lot for 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 us to get the best education she believed that because we were girls in 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 such a society we we have to have education it's our only tool um because we we had no brother um and we were far away from home um so born and raised in the UAE we had no family like no uncles around or no one to you know help with the upbringing upbringing or or support so she knew that we were going to end up alone four girls alone so she wanted us to have this this good education my dad wasn't like in on it so much so there was a lot of conflict in the house um but then he realized like today he realized and he says it um having four daughters is like having 40 boys <laughs> that's what he says today <laughs> well, i have today. two and i won't disagree <laughs> yeah yeah that's what he says today must be tough yeah So it was like a journey of, you know, trying to change his mind and this mentality which I don't blame him for it, you know. It's how you know, he was um he was born and raised way, yeah, in, yeah. in 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 a village in Syria, so I I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him, but I was happy to have some sort of part in changing that mentality. Did you take then as you grew up did you take education yourself really seriously that your mum wanted you to get good education but did you say right I'm going to go out and and do my best no, or did no. you kind in of No no in high school no in high school I was uh, very very bad I was very naughty I mean <laughs> yeah and if any of my teachers or principals are watching this they would they would not yes <laughs> <laughs> but um Um, I never used to study and never used to study in 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 school. Um but then in 2004 my father um says pack your bags you're going to Syria. And it was it was Hold on, how old were you at this time? I was um 15 turning 16. Okay. Yeah, it was 2004. 
Um, and you'd lived here all your life, 15, 10, 16. He said, yes. you're going back to Syria. And then he said, chop, chop, back home. And he meant it? Yes. And, and we did, actually. So my mother, uh, my elder sister, she was already at university. Um, so it was me and my two other sisters. Um, we went back to Syria with my mother. And he stayed here and my sister was, was in university. And um, it was, I hated my dad. I hated him. I can imagine. Because I, we were in, a, in an American school. And in Syria, the schools are in Arabic, and we our Arabic was very, very weak. Mm -hmm. um, everything was different. You know, I, 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 I witnessed snow for the first time in my life at the age of 16. Uh, I never knew what cold really was. Uh, it was a very tough, tough experience, very tough experience. And we stayed there until 2006. So I agreed with my father at that time. I'm like, Dad, if I study, um, I want to, and I get good grades, I want to go to the U.S. I want to go to USC, I want to do filmmaking. So we made a promise and he made a promise that okay. And then I locked myself for two, three months um, in my room in Syria and I studied like I've never studied before. I've never studied like that in my life until today. That was that time I'd never, like I was, if I could eat those pages, I would have. Um, and I got very good grades, and then I'm like, so it's, it's your turn now, you know. Um, and he said, I can't, I can't send you. One, I financially cannot afford it. Two, you're too, too stubborn and it scares me to send you, um, you know, 17-year-old girl on your own to, to the U.S. And I hated him even more mm. because he broke this promise that I've, I've like, I stayed studying for two years, waiting for this moment, and he broke his promise. So I, um, I, I spoke to my sister who was here in Dubai um, in university, and I told her, Ghalia, I have to, I have to leave Syria. And uh, that's when I sent her all my grades, I sent her all my paperwork, and she applied for the scholarship um, from His uh, Highness's office. Uh, Sheikh Mohammed and I, I received the scholarship after 30 days from the application, and and I flew, and and then I realized I was, I was still a teenager at that time. So I told my dad, I don't need you. I don't need you to study. I don't need you for education, and that's the mentality I had. I was wrong, but I was a very angry teenager. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's how I got into into AUD. And yeah, that's when I think, you know, life took its own. <laughs> did, it take, did it take time for that relationship then to calm and you for then to re regain that warmth that you have towards your dad? Or, or is it um, still to this day? No, this, today my relationship with my father is, is amazing. Um, because he's, because my, 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 my father, my parents are simple. They, he knows what, where he went wrong and and what he should have done but i don't blame him today i don't blame him he couldn't send me to the u.s because he couldn't afford it mm -hmm. so at that time i didn't really understand it but now you know that i that i work and make money i know what a big responsibility it is mm -hmm. and he has three other girls mm -hmm. so i couldn't be selfish now now we understand each other we relate to each other and we talk about it and I'm his biggest supporter, his biggest, like, you know, hooray, I'm right there behind you. And, and he's, he's, he's to me, he's that to me. Um, 
But it was, uh, it took a couple of years, yeah. Now you had an accident? Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> well, I've, I've heard the story, mm. but obviously my audience would probably benefit from hearing it from you as to what happened and how it impacted upon you and yeah. the, the fact that I know that your employer was very gracious during the yes. period that you, uh, you struggled. So. Yeah. Um, not going into details of what happened in the accident itself. I mean, I was, you know, broken from head to toe. Um, so it was a car accident? Yeah. And it um, happened here in Dubai? It happened here in Dubai. Um, it was because of a speeding driver. And don't you, you, were, you were a driver or a passenger? Or? No, it was another car. He was speeding on the highway. We were on the way to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, but were you driving or were you a passenger? No, no, I was a passenger. passenger yeah, there was a driver who, who passed away in the accident. Um, it was it was it was horrible at that time, um, but it had it it has changed my life. Like I don't today. If you ask me, Shahad, would you imagine yourself today if the accident never happened? I wouldn't be able to even picture it. You know, sometimes yeah. we we want something. Okay, let's imagine it and work yeah, yeah. our minds to it and see it and imagine it and picture it. I can't. I'm unable to picture myself without this accident. And I think that it has shaped everything um, in me today. Um, because, I don't know, I've seen, I've seen a lot. I was 27 years old. So a 27 year old, I mean, so many thoughts you were- You don't even look 27 years old. Hmm? You don't even look 27 oh, years old. You genuinely sexy. don't. Really? Yeah, genuinely. I'm 30. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 30 today, yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna let you get go with this because I really um, want to understand what happened here. And I'm yeah. sorry if I'm gonna open up some, no, some, 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 some layers here. Yeah. You, you, I know that you know if, if you have an accident mm. that you know I had spinal surgery and it was life changing for me. Um, how I thought about life, how I positioned everybody in my life at that time, and then how I That's positioned very the world. Important. How 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 much anger I had for people that I should never have had, and you know how much I was leaning on people that I'd never lent on before. So so I, I've, I've got some sense of this type of stuff. You, you, you mind in your own business, you're in a car, you're in a car accident, it's a very serious car accident and you're severely injured from head to toe. Mm. So it means you can't do your work, of no. course. How long did it take you to recover physically from the accident? Physically, uh, in general, it took me three years of continuous surgery and therapy. Three years? Around three years, yeah. Like two, two years and a couple of months. Okay, and how long did it take you to recover emotionally? I'm still recovering until today. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to find out. So yeah. It, it, when you, when you, do you still hold somebody accountable? Do you still blame? Uh, mm. I don't like to do this blaming because once you're, once you um, drown, mm. in, like you dwell in this, you, you'll, you'll find yourself drowning more and more. Um, the reason, technically, uh, realistically, the reason behind the accident is a speeding driver. Mm -hmm. To me, it's very important to say it. Every single time someone asks me about the accident, it was because of a speeding driver. It's irrelevant who he is no, yeah, or what he is. He was a speeding driver. So when you speed, because I want people to understand 
that you know every each and every one of us think that we're he might get sick he might get he might have his leg broken he might die but me i'm protected from god nothing's gonna happen to me we all think like this like nothing's unprotected because we never actually anticipate anything bad happening to us correct you know and we take life and we take everything for granted we empathize with a lot of people you know if we see someone sick or we hear of someone who's been in an accident we feel like oh i can't imagine what he's feeling and we never think for a second it might be us it might be us so if you think that you are so strong enough to drive on the road so fast recklessly and get away with it maybe you would get away with it once or twice and maybe that's because you're lucky but maybe one day you won't so why risk it and i say that if people want to speed there are designated places to go and release this energy or adrenaline mm-hmm. you know um and if you again if you don't care about your life there are people on the road who have something to live for so you can't be this selfish and think oh i want to drive because i'm such a good driver no one said you're not yeah you are a good driver but there are bad drivers around you so mm-hmm. you know and you if you did cause an accident then you have to live with that for the rest of your life yes of course one crazy moment for the rest of your life of course which which i would imagine it's like you're paying someone else you're paying the price for someone else's mistake mm-hmm. and this is not a nice feeling But I try not to play the blaming game. Did anything you know? good come out of it for you? Oh, a lot of things. Tell me what came out of it that was good. Um It was funny. I I worked in television and I was on TV. And it was always because um everyone thought I was a pretty face except myself. I never saw myself pretty. And I never saw myself oh yeah I'm so pretty I should be on TV. I mean you're not just on TV because you're pretty. Of course you need to have other skills. But it is it is a necessity in this industry to be presentable. And I used to hear compliments a lot on how pretty I was. And I never used to believe it. I never saw myself pretty. Um and I had I was not self-confident. I had a, a lot of issues Um I was very um I used to get anxiety when I would be you know around a lot of people and this was my career but this is how can it be it was very conflicting I never I never really saw myself the way I I see myself today and and it's funny because I say now like I was pretty but today I see myself prettier and I love myself more from the inside mm mm-hmm. on the outside i'm more comfortable with all of my scars around my body and i never thought i would ever be like i if i would before if i would get a scratch i'd worry that it would leave a scar and today it's like who am i mm-hmm. you know so it's the way i i look at myself it's the way i perceive myself um i used to, before i used to care so much about what people thought of me so much it meant the world to me if someone said i don't like her i will not sleep i'll really like it'll really put me down today oh god i don't care you can love me you can hate me you can say whatever you would like to say but i feel like i am so complete 
on my own that I don't need anyone's tap on the back mm -hmm. or acceptance. Validation, yeah. I, I don't need that. And I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. But it took me a long while to reach to this. You've got 300,000 or so followers on Instagram mm. as a social media channel. When mm. we talk about caring about what other people think, mm. I was interviewing recently Rawan bin Hussain. Mm. And she was talking to me about how her audience grew with such a huge amount of haters in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and how she was over in London studying all on her own. And she said, I was getting these great comments from people I didn't know and then these really horrible comments. Of course. With 300,000 followers as an audience, obviously you get your fair share of feedback. Mm. Um, does, does ever any, we spoke before we started filming about inspiring people. Mm. Do, do, you get, do you get haters, first of all? Do you get oh, haters yes, on social media? How do you deal with them? Um, I mean, it depends. Sometimes, um, see, I'm human at the end of the day. So on a day where I feel um, strong, uh -huh. uh, it would make me laugh. Um, another day where I'm feeling a bit down or something didn't work out or my self-esteem is not, you know, uh, it would bother me. I am human at the end of the day. And it's a problem because this is bullying and nobody understands um, how hurtful it could be. You might say, like, anything, any, it could be so silly. And you know that they're wrong. But why say it, you know? You either have something good to say or don't say anything at all. I had a guy once uh, when I was filming something outside of here, and uh, I'd, I'd made a video and somebody wrote a comment, I bet you don't even live on the palm, you effing this, see that, all these bad words he wrote. Really, he does really live nasty, on the palm, yeah? and I'm loving his view. <laughs> And the following uh, night after that came out and I read the comment, I went with one of my neighbours for a walk, which we do once a week. And mm. so we were taking a stroll up one of the streets and this guy was walking towards us. Didn't know who he was, didn't pay any attention. As he passed us both, he turned around and he said, are you Spencer Lodge? I went, yeah, I am. Nice to meet you. Thinking he'd obviously recognised me from mm. social media. I said, nice to meet you. He said, the other night, he said, I was drunk. And I wrote a really nasty comment. Um, on a video that you made um, talking about the fact I didn't think that you lived on the palm and you must be lying etc he said and now I can see you walking up the farm I think I need to apologize to you wow completely out of the blue but I salute that person <laughs> you know for coming it's forward the, yeah for being honest enough to say I mean he, yeah. we, 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 it was by chance that we saw each other and then one other one other issue I had one day was somebody wrote a really nasty comment and, and I deal with nasty comments in a, in a kind way. Mm. So my response always is, look, if my content isn't good enough for you, give me some tips about how I can make it better for you. And it disarms people. And then one guy wrote back, he said, I've been sat on the toilet for the last hour trying to delete this. <laughs> he said, I can't delete it. I'll never ever troll again, no matter what I do. Yeah. So I find that when, when people have got something that, that negative to want to say, that, that I don't think they're, they're choosing you. I think they're choosing something within themselves to vent at. True. And so yeah. I, I think if I deal with it with empathy and humor, Okay, first of all, I have to laugh because mm. I just imagine what might be going on in their head in that yeah. moment. But then, then some empathy rather than, you know, going on. The, I've, I've done it before when I first learned how to do it. I made all the mistakes, you know, I retaliated, you know, I, they gave me, you know, I gave it straight back and it doesn't do anything or delete and block and delete and block all that kind of stuff. And I just decided that there's a reason for people to write this kind of stuff. There's something going on in the world. Is there a way I can connect with them? Because I've got their attention. Yeah. 
for them to have written something, I have their attention. And sometimes you would actually see that when I go, like when I rest, press on their profile, you would see that, oh, they're following you. Why, why would you be following me if you think I am so bad? Mm. You know? Um, but then I realized that I must be interesting to you in some way, in some sort of way, <laughs> or entertaining at least. And that, you know, um, but forget haters. I mean, when you, when you receive so much love, these messages don't matter anymore. You know, it's like a movie. No, that's, swing, that's absolutely or, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you can get a thousand people to hate you, yes. but one people, like I got a message today saying, Spencer, you inspire me. Yeah. That one or message. Or you've changed my life. That's enough. That's, that, that, that I, don't, I don't need anybody else yes. to come in ever again. Yes, I've, I've had an exactly. impact on one person and, and it was worth it. Yeah. And then you'd feel stupid if, if, you, if you get upset from a, from a bad comment. Like you've, you've just received a, a beautiful message from someone who's told you that you've changed their lives, you've inspired them. And how, how amazing is that? So I think living in that moment and, and, and just letting yourself be happy, like, like Prince, yeah. like the video you yeah, showed yeah, me Prince, a while. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, it's, it's, it's being grateful and thanking God. I mean, I've received a lot of messages. Um, I still receive a lot of messages from girls specifically who, who had car accidents and um, who have scars. Uh, even mothers who undergo cesareans, mm -hmm. it leaves a scar on your yeah, body, of course. and 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 it's sometimes it's not it's not a nice scar, mm -hmm. and you might not see like you might not see that scar, but it's there, and she knows that it's there, and and it affects her self esteem somehow. Even it could be with her husband, or with her kids, or in front of her parents. Isn't it funny how men wear a scar like a medal? Yeah. So much more than women do. You know, I, I have a yeah. scar across here with a metal plate in my collarbone. And it's like, oh, I'm and strong. It's like, and it's like, hey, yeah. And if I go anywhere, I'm like, yeah, yeah just, uh, just be careful about that. There's a metal plate there. Yeah. And to kind of like show it off. It's interesting to, to see how we as, as, as human beings yeah. look at that kind of stuff. A lot of people sometimes out of the blue when I travel or something, oh, why do you have a scar? I got into a fight. And they'd go like, <laughs> and I'd say it with a very straight face. And they'd go like, Oh, oh. <laughs> what do I do with that? Yeah. And I just leave it there and I let them believe that, you know. Um, but yeah, for, for men, it's like, um, it's an honor. I, I read this beautiful quote the other day. It's like, uh, it says, um, a person without a scar is a person who hasn't lived at all. Uh -huh. And um, yeah. it's like a tattoo. When you get a tattoo that reminds you like you want to be reminded of something forever. Mm -hmm. A scar is exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I wear mine like a, like a badge, like a medal. That's cool. <laughs> Do you have many? I have many. Because yeah, all those operations, you must have them. Yeah, I have many. I mean, for, for, I don't know how many, but over 10 scars. Oh, wow. Yeah. You had a lot of stuff done. <laughs> okay, let's just go back to social media for a second. Mm. With the advent of Netflix and Stars Play yeah. and, and other channels like that, and obviously Saudi Arabia being obsessed with YouTube, yeah. when you see yourself, well, they are, they're the second they biggest are. users of YouTube in the world, yeah. you know, only after the States. So when, when you look at that type of consumption through those channels mm. and you compare it to conventional television. Oh, this question. So I've... Mm, the, re the reason I find the question really interesting is it's that relevant, though. It, 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 it's the habits of the of millennial generation, X generation, Y, and, and so for me, when I look at someone that does what you do, 
And then I take, I don't know, someone like, let's take someone like David Letterman, mm. who's a huge chat show host in the United States, The Late Show. He was on television for 30 years. Now he has his show, I think it was on his Netflix. show on Netflix called um, um, uh, Without, what is it? When he interviews, he interviewed Barack Obama and Lewis Hamilton and Jay-Z. Yes, and Barack Obama and Kanye West. Uh, you know the show anyway. Yeah, of course I know. So he's, and he needs no my introduction. My guest uh, or, or uh, my guest or... Mm. Yeah, and today my guest, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, okay, don't think about it because okay, you won't be able to okay, get it. Okay, yeah. So he takes that, takes a show and puts it there. You take the guys from Top Gear in the United Kingdom that had the, probably the biggest TV show on the BBC ever, yeah. along with all the revenue it made in, in different uh, magazines and everything else. And they've taken it, they got paid fortunes and a much bigger budget to go on to Amazon. True. Um, when you look at that, and you look at yourself, you're a young lady, you've got a lot, a lot of years ahead of you, and if you stay in, in television or if you stay in media... I die. <laughs> do you think you'll... Say it, Spencer, say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. Do you think you'll, you'll head into those other channels um, eventually, or do, or do you get excited about it? Um, we're all exposed to all channels. So me, professionally, working in NBC, of course, we're a TV channel. Now, if you compare the Middle East, to, to the West, it's, there's a big difference. Right we're, now. We're, right now, there's a big difference where you could say we're like 10 years behind when it comes to this digital evolution. Um, yes, in, in Saudi, YouTube is the most used platform. And it's very common uh, between, uh, between Saudis, but what age group? It's the young generation. Mm -hmm. Okay, what about the families that NBC has aired for for the past 26 years, mm -hmm. 20? So these families, what do they do? Where, does, your, does your mom, what does your mom watch? What does your aunt watch? Oh, my mom's 74. Yeah. She lives in Cyprus. Okay. And she doesn't watch television. She watches Netflix. Oh, you have a cool mom then. <laughs> <laughs> but my mum's on Instagram, so yeah. <laughs> so it's maybe a bit different. But no, yeah. you're right. Okay, I understand but your point. You're about, saying the youngsters. About, yeah, but, thinking but, about but, Saudi and the Middle East in general, um, the, the Morocco, uh, Tunis, mm -hmm. Egypt, mm -hmm. Egypt. Mm -hmm. There's you need to consider that these countries. What's the internet penetration there? Mm -hmm. and, and, and what is the, the 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 cost? Can they afford it? How much money do they make? Mm -hmm. uh, what is, uh, how, how, how big are the middle class? Do you mm -hmm. have poverty? Mm -hmm. You know, these people who mm -hmm. cannot afford to have internet or iPads. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not, NBC is for every single Arab home. It has been home for everyone. And sometimes you would find, you would walk into any Arab home and you'd find NBC on the television. The person could be muting it, could be watching YouTube as well, but NBC is there. Um, but if, yet, you want, if you have NBC here, you pay for NBC. No. Of course you do. You have to pay it with your subscription for your decoder box. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah. you're paying we'll for do, it. We'll do it. So whether or, you're paying for Stars Player, NBC, yeah. or Netflix, you're still paying for it. Yeah, but that's in Dubai. I mean, in other, in other like in, in Syria, for example, you get NBC one for free. Okay. In countries like Syria, Lebanon, or okay. you get NBC that's for free. free. TV. Yeah, that's just public free TV. And uh, NBC, see, see in England, NBC don't has been part of that. We uh, don't even get BBC for free in England. Yeah, I know. You have to pay a, t a television license fee. Yeah. So. That's why I told you we're, we're behind. We're still behind because 
there's a lot of culture to take into consideration. Um, yet, NBC has a lot of has done a lot of efforts in um, in combining both the television and mm. digital together. I mean, my, my show we we my show is aired on television episodes mm -hmm. seasons, mm -hmm. but we film completely different content and we create content for YouTube and then we create different content for Instagram. Okay. So there's a lot of effort that's done to be able to cater to all of your audience. And but that, all helps, of that helps to answer the question then, because yes, if, you're, if you're producing that content for those channels, of to course. me it says you're very aware of them. Of course. And they, they, they play a part in everyday life for a lot of people, of so you need to be there as well. Yes. <clears throat> but in my personal opinion, this should have been done five years ago or more even. This should have been done. I mean, now we're so involved as television, we're so involved with digital and we are, we are creating content for, for digital. This, in my personal opinion, should have been done before, mm. years ago. But it wasn't and it hasn't and we can't change what's happening. Yeah, but now it's happening, which yeah. is great. And, and NBC is pioneering at it because it's, which other TV channel is doing that? I mean, NBC has Shahid now and yeah. you have its own original content. It's going, it's, it's doing amazing. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, they're, they're, they are pioneering, just like they pioneered in television. Mm -hmm. They are pioneering in this. Got it. Yeah. Okay, let's look at your future. What's your ambition? What's your goal? What do you want to achieve? Where do you want to go? <laughs> That's a lot of questions in one. <laughs> it's the same question. Um, to be honest with you, um, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know where I'm going to be. Uh, I know one thing, um, for sh two things actually, for sure. Um, one is um, finish writing my book. Um, Tell us about that. So basically, um, I started to write this book um, around um, a year and a half or two years ago after the accident and I, 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 I never intended it to be a book. I was just writing, writing, writing and because during the accident I was not able to speak um, and uh, I was not able to move so nothing in my body was moving except my right hand so I had no way of expressing except with words, uh, with written words and so I, I wrote. I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote pages and pages and pages and I combined them into very small articles, very short articles, a series of articles in Arabic and um, now and, and then I stopped as soon as I was back on TV and as soon as I obviously regained my health I stopped writing and I was too busy with you know everything else, everything <laughs> else, getting my life back together. Um, so now I want to I want to go back to writing and I want to do this book. Um, this book is obviously about my journey throughout this whole, um, the whole accident, the before, the after, the during. Um, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's a story that has to be told, not because it was me or not because I was superwoman or I overcame something so tragic, no. It's because I know for a fact that if you or, or X or Y reads it, it will change your life. And this is why I want to write this book, because I know that it will change someone's life and it's worth writing.
it's worth telling. It's a story worth telling. I just asked you a question about your goals and your ambitions, and I, and, and I didn't take into consideration in that, quest, in that, in that second uh. the fact that you've just been through something dramatic, which would, I would assume almost make you think about living for the day as opposed to living for the future. Do you think a lot of that? <coughs> Do you think a lot like, like you're the kind of person that says, after what I've been through, today is a good day and I'm going to live the day and really enjoy the day, as opposed to a lot of people that in one year time, True. in two years time, in yeah. three years time. Yeah. I'm someone who loves to, um, to know things in my life, know what I want. I love to be, you know, um, in control. Um, in my interview in the beginning with NBC, I was asked, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm like, one of the most prominent faces on NBC. <laughs> that was my answer. I knew straight away where I wanted to be in five years. Now ask me where I want to be in five years. I have no idea because I might tell you one thing and it might never happen. So I don't, at the same time, I don't live my life day by day. No, I'm too young to feel this or too young to do that. But I'm much more realistic and careful and much more ambitious. So now I don't care about being on TV. I love being on TV because it's a platform for me to send across a message and not because, oh, I see myself so pretty or I'm famous. No. Um, but I don't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, staying in this, in this box and in this frame to me does not necessarily mean the future this time. Um, I'd love to be my own boss one day and have my own thing going on, my own business. Um, well, tell me about that. That's, that's being an entrepreneur. Yes. Do you like that word? It's amazing. I mean, yeah, the word, yeah, but I, I love what it means. Yeah, what it means. I love it? what it feels like. Um, Do you consider yourself one almost already? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? Um, because I've I've got my business plan, and, I, and I'm approaching investors at the moment. And I feel and I feel I started to think like one. And once you put yourself in this mentality of I'm not an employee anymore, and I'm not only waiting for my end of the month salary. No, it's like you you're you're changing your mentality. You're not working for money anymore. You're making money work for you, and and. It, it just changes the way you view things, everything. And, and now, recently, I started uh, reading um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. You've read it? Yeah, many times. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. And There's a really good book you should read. It's called Making It Happen. I know. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I know, Spencer, <laughs> I know. I'll, be, I'll make sure to and read We'll give you a copy before you leave. I would no, love I'm only to. joking. I would um, love to read it. Okay, so tell, tell, if you're, you're an entrepreneur yeah. and you're starting a business and you want to grow it and you're looking for investors, what, what, what is it? Tell us about the business. I can't. <laughs> tell us a little bit. Give us a sneak. Uh, I can only tell you that it is... What industry is it? Online. Online. Okay, so you, you're... you're that's everything. <laughs> Not really. Everything's online. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to be... Give me, give me a tiny bit more than that, for goodness sake. Mm. There's investors that will be listening to this. Oh. Tiny bit. <laughs> uh, I'll only, I can only... See, I have two partners and they'll kill me if I just spill one word. Um, but I can only tell you it is related to... Um, it's an edutainment. Edutainment. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Edutainment.
And how long have you been working on the project? Uh, two years. Okay, and when, when you started to get involved with it, was it your brainchild or did somebody come to you with a kind of part of an idea that you kind of collaborated on? So, uh, so me and my two partners, it was one of uh, my partners who, who came to us and who told us um, one, two, three. But that's it, like it was very basic. It was that, mm -hmm. let's do this. And then we, we slept on it and, um, and then we met again and we talked about it uh, and we thought how it would work in the Middle East. Um, see, that's another hint. Um, and um, and we, ever since then we, we, we evolved it, we developed it, we made it grow into something that we never thought it's gonna grow into. And um, there was a lot of creative thinking um, done in this in the in the process in the two-year process and it was amazing because i just finished my master's and my whole my whole I've, I've finished master's in leadership and digital innovation so my whole two years of masters me and my two partners w were about this project so this business model and this is how we developed it with a lot of um support and help from professors and speakers and entrepreneurs who came along and who gave us bits and pieces of their experience. So I do owe it to the master's program at AUD because it provided us access to a lot of startups mm -hmm. like Kareem. Um, um, I can't recall like so many, even Shahid, how it started. Mm -hmm. um, so many, so many entrepreneurs and startups came and Rami mm -hmm. uh, to talk about how they, they started and what they faced and, and, and so we got insights that we wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. Um, and this is why I think in two years we gave it, we, it took us a long time to actually create this business model and this, this whole, um, and it's worth it and I, it's, it's complete, it's now complete and, and yeah, in the right time, I, I promise you that you'll be one of the first people to know. And I'll come here again on this day. <laughs> we share it with, with my two partners. Okay, yes. cool. That'd be good. And we'll tell you all about it because it's, um, in my opinion, it will change education in the Middle East. Okay. Yeah. I think education is um, in, 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 in vast need of improvement. Yes. It hasn't changed for 40 years. Yes. So for me, there's a lot of work that needs to be done a in lot changing of work. how we, we, we learn. Yes. So, okay, so basically you've told me a tiny bit about it. Hmm. Now, uh, I'll ask all of my audience to try and be creative and fabricate it into something that it might well be. <laughs> Guess in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so, entrepreneurialism, mm. okay, you've come from, you've, you've essentially had some success, you then fall off a cliff, you then, <laughs> well, because of the accident, then yeah. you climb back again, mm. and as you climb back up there, you're achieving success, True. And you're now spreading your wings into other areas, which, which is uh, essentially very exciting for someone of your age. Do you imagine yourself um, settling down and being a mum and being a, a family person? And, or, or do you think you'll always have ambition inside of you and you'll always want to you know, go But who said being a, a mum will take your ambition away? Well, that's, again, let's get into that debate if you want, because I'm well versed in it. I all got right? you there. <laughs> I remember I have an, an assistant called Sarah that's worked with me now for 13 years. Yeah. And my business partner, Danielle, has worked with me for the same amount of time. 
and they both got pregnant within about four weeks of each other. Wow, and lots two, of hormones two, to deal with. Two closest people to me in business, and I was like, you're Bye-bye. killing me. Um, but no, some, of course, some, it's some, a, some people it's want a to. Some people, no, well, so, I don't, it's, it's nothing to do with what's right I and wrong. It's about oh my God, some, I want some to. women want to stop and of become course. a mum, and they don't want to focus on their. Career. I don't want to stop. O- other people don't. You know, yeah. my mum was a working mum all the way through. My dad, yeah. parents got divorced when I was seven years old. So, yeah. so it's, it's about how different people think about it. And I'm, the question was to you, what do you see? I don't want to stop because I live off my ambition, and it just feeds my soul. Uh, so I would never, I hope that I never stop that. Um, but of course I want to settle and of course I want kids. I want eight kids uh, if I could. Um, I am thinking of adopting in the future um, a lot of kids. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of a lot of plans. Like, But I would love to, just like every girl, um, to settle down with a partner and, 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 and raise children and... and adopt maybe kids and and love them like your own and this is something that I would I would love to have you got nieces and nephews yet from your sisters no, where none of us are none? married oh really yeah and how much older is your older sister just three years older than me oh, okay so yeah. you're really yeah. young aren't you, you know it's probably yeah. not, not time yet is it yeah I mean time's changed um that would be great for, for women you know like before when you when you say that uh, that I'm 30 and I'm single oh my god she's never going to get married who's going to look at her that was before but now um i i never imagined me getting married in my 20s i mean my mom was 21 when she had my, when she was married and had my fir- my my eldest sister mm. that's insane when i was 21 all I wanted to do was, I don't know, go to Bounce or, or yeah. Um, yeah. go watch a movie It's nuts when you think about it. But again, I don't think, yeah. I mean, I was married at 26 and, and then divorced at 31. And wow. so, and that's because I, I got married. I didn't know anything about the world. Yeah. You, you know nothing. You, you know need to nothing. get to 30 before you're wise. Yes. You're not, you're not as wise as you can be, but at least, yeah. at least you've got a bit of experience. Yeah. But I think that the world should ban anyone from getting married before they're 30 and having kids. I think that, that it's gives, healthier. You make better decisions. Yeah. And now you can't tell a 25 year old that because they disagree with you till the cows come home. I but know. Looking, looking back with the benefit of hindsight, you know that you make better decisions. So you're at the right age now. From now for the next 10 years, that's, that, that's then you're wise now and you're yeah. wise that you can have that. <laughs> Okay, last couple of questions for you before we finish. Um, we spoke before uh, we were on camera about Tony Robbins, and yeah. you know you've spoken about Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, mm. poor dad. Are you are you a consumer of this type of content? Do you consume it? Do you read it? Do you, apart from the the book that you're talking about, do you consume other stuff? Do you look for people to inspire and motivate you? Do you look for? Um, yes, of course I do. You do? Yeah, but um, what kind of people kind of hit the mark with you? Everyone, everyone is inspiring. I mean, I don't look at certain people as you're inspirational, you're not. Everyone is inspiring. And you know, you not only get inspired from people, you get inspired from situations, from certain incidents, from experiences. So I look for that every single day of my life. I, get ex- I can get inspired from the security at my building. I can get inspired from a cleaner or or a CEO or um, an author. I, it, 
anyone who relates to you could be inspired by you and vice versa. So this, this exchange of knowledge, this exchange in, of words between two people can lead to inspiration. Agreed. So I look for that in my life every single day with my dogs, with my friends, um, with the security, with the good morning every day. Um, I mean, these little things to me are the basics of inspiration. What made you buy or pick up the book Rich Dad Poor Dad then? I was actually recently, I was, I was on a traveling, so uh, before I head to the airport, my younger sister, who is 23 now, happy birthday, she, she's 23 a couple of days ago, uh, she gave me that book. She's like, take it, read it on the plane. I'm like, oh, nice. And she's only 23. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I came to read this book, and um, and it's been it's 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 been it's been nice because it. I like books. I like to read books that help you change your mindset about something, um, like Who Moved My Cheese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I read this also on a plane on the plane. Amazing. It's so basic and it's so simple. And, and you know what's funny? You know it. You already know it. Yeah. You know these things. You know these yeah. things. People know that you need to work hard. You need to um, study well. You need to put the effort. You need to be ambitious. You need to wake up every morning, do your bed, do exercise. People know these pieces of information. They read it everywhere. They, mm -hmm. they see it all the time. But how... How it don't has to, they, what, what happens it is... It has to come from within. No, it doesn't. What happens is your mum can tell you to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And it goes in one ear and out the exactly. other. Exactly. Okay? And then uh, I could tell you to do the same thing. And you're like, yeah. It's how the message is given to you. Mm. And, the way, and, and when you're willing to receive yeah. it, sometimes you're just not willing to receive it. And then sometimes you're open for it because maybe you're either vulnerable or you're searching and seeking. So for me, I ha I, I've been saying the same thing for the last 30 years over and over and over again about certain issues. Yeah. And sometimes eventually people say, I get it now. Yeah. I get it. I, and do you know what? When you said that, I then applied that and then I got this result. And I'm like, but I've known you for 10 years and I've been saying this to you for 10 years. I know. It took, it took that it, much It time. just sometimes takes people to be in that I want to learn and apply. And it's sometimes, it's like the person that, 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 that loses weight. They get to a point if they become obese where they say no more. No, yeah. You know, and yeah. no more. Until they say no more, it's irrelevant. Exactly. Okay? That's and, why it has to come from within. Mm -hmm. You have to you have to make it your your religion this lifestyle mm -hmm. religion teach us a certain lifestyle mm -hmm. we everything is is connected mm -hmm. so yes we know all of these but when you sometimes like you said the message how the message is is portrayed and and, and sent across so this this book who moved my cheese i was laughing because i, I know all of these things mm. what, what is wrong with me you know, yeah, and it just hits you like oh, I'm being lazy and stupid. And and I like to read these quick books every now and then because mm -hmm. sometimes I do like um, um, I slow down sometimes. Do you listen to audiobooks or just read? No, I don't. I like to read. You like to read. I like to flip pages. Okay, so it's not I even like it. the Kindle. You like the paper in your I hand. I love it. Yeah, I understand. I love that. it. 
At least it makes you feel better. Yeah. Look, I've taken a lot of your time. Thank you so much for coming to join Thank me on the show. Thank you so much. It's been great fun talking to you. Thank you. You too. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks.